singing in this place. It's you I live for every day. 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 I'll lift up your voices, church, and sing it with us. It's you I live for. Church. 
us for freedom. Oh, if you're free in this place, lift up your voices and sing, I'm free. Yes, I'm free.
exalted you are worthy to be praised we love you above all things first and foremost lord we declare you as lord tonight hallelujah hallelujah lord we need you above all things O lord and we look to you as our source hallelujah you are worthy to be exalted and glorified thank you thank you jesus don't you sense his presence tonight amen we ought to be able to feel and sense his presence his grace i know this sounds a little pithy uh, but a word from god to all of us tonight and to some in particular it's going to be okay because Jesus Christ is Lord, he has risen from the dead, and no matter what you're going through, he's aware of it, and he's able to intervene on your behalf. And so we want to open our service tonight and uh, take needs before the Lord, and there are many multiple needs that we pray for. We're going to pray for special anointing on Pastor Richard Contreras as he ministers tonight and over this entire service for God's grace and favor to be poured out. We have some very uh, serious uh, need of healing in uh, some individuals. We're continuing to pray, of course, for Mary Reyna and uh, for uh, Sylvia Martinez. 
We're praying for Doris in San Antonio, also very, very critical. She's in hospice care right now and needs a real miracle in her body. Uh, we're praying for Nancy Singlin, Sally Rusi, uh, Mauricio Ramos, Ron Betts, Jennifer Stearns, Kathy Chavez, Francisco Baca, and Maria Vega. These are people that we're praying for for healing. The Garcia, Elias, uh, Ransdell, Marcus, Ventura, uh, and Gonzalez families. These are for salvation, along with that, Ashley Trejo, Omar Montalvo, Ashley Morales, Albert Vega, Ramona Carrillo, Julian Chavez, Tom Parsons, Claudia Vasquez, Gabby Castaneda, Erica Davis, Michael Cordova, Rebecca Lara, Gabby Castaneda, uh, Maria Benavides. Uh, those are all people that are being prayed for for salvation. And you can add your uh, unsaved loved ones that you want to pray for tonight. And then for special needs, we're praying for Dominic Perez, uh, Jonathan Warren, Veronica Moreno, Marcus Garcia, Raul Torres, Ernie Correa. Andrew Ramos, Joff, uh, the Joff family and the Bond families. Uh, these are all people that have special needs. We're praying for revival in our city, revival in our country. We're praying for our president, Donald Trump, our vice president, Mike Pence, and all of our leaders and elected official, officials uh, all around the country, military personnel, police officers, firefighters, medical workers, uh, military veterans, uh, all people with real needs, and we need grace to be poured out. So we're all going to pray together. I want you to lift up some of these needs and lift up your own. You may have a marriage, finances, healing need, relationships, or an unsaved loved one. Let's lift up these needs. Let's really cry out to God because the Bible says that he, that there's nothing impossible to them that believe. So let's take all of our impossibilities to him and believe God to move as we subside. Sage is going to come and open our service in prayer. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you for the grace of God, for the sufficiency of your mighty power. Lord, have liberty and right of way so that all that is your will can be accomplished. I thank you for grace. I thank you for favor. I thank you for your mercy. Oh, Lord, have liberty tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you in an attitude of worship, my God. I pray for your hand right now, God, to be upon this congregation tonight, Lord. And our pastor, as he comes to deliver a word in due season, my God, we commit our needs to you, Lord God, knowing you are willing and able to meet them, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would touch our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take a moment to greet and to bless one another as you're getting seated. Amen and amen. We are very, very excited tonight and thankful so much for God for what he's doing, his investment involvement in our lives. We thank God for the service this morning. We had two people Respond to the altar call, pray, and receive Jesus, and we're glad for that, and we're believing God for more of the same going forward. We want to welcome all of you out. We're so glad to see you back. Uh, 
tonight for our evening service. We appreciate each and every one of you uh, being here. You may have been around a very long time, but don't think that you're not valued and appreciated. And we love you and thank God that you're part of our church and our congregation. And then, of course, there are many, many new and newer people. We welcome all of you and visitors tonight, of course. Uh, uh, we are welcoming everyone. Let's give everyone a very, very warm welcome tonight. Amen. We have our schedule this week. We have a Tuesday night prayer meeting. Uh, this is for men and women. Anyone that wants to come to gather together to pray with us, we encourage you to uh, come and do that. Uh, and that'll be every Tuesday night at 630 here at the church. Uh, this coming Wednesday, we have a regular midweek service at 7 p.m. And again, uh, if this is the first time you've come out to our Wednesday night service, we have another one coming. I mean, Sunday night service, we have another one coming Wednesday night. We encourage you to be in every service. It's to your benefit to hear more of God's word. You hear a brand new message. Every service has its own personality, and there's something distinct that God wants to do. And I remember when my wife and I first got saved, we didn't want to miss a single service. If we thought uh, that we might have to, which we never did have to, uh, we'd be missing something. So we wanted to be there on site as pastor preached the word of God. And uh, it's to your benefit to be here in every service. So we encourage you to come back uh, on Wednesday at 7. And then uh, Thursday night, we have our Spanish uh, service. Uh, Augie and Yvonne Herrera oversee that ministry. Augie is the pastor, our Spanish pastor, uh, does a fantastic job there, ministers the Word of God in Spanish, and we encourage you to come and bring people to that and be part of that ministry as well. And then on Friday, uh, we have a very big night of outreach, and we really need to encourage uh, everyone that can to come. If it's not your normal habit or practice to come on an outreach, please come this Friday and help us out. Uh, it's a small gesture on your part, but it goes a long way to contributing to the success of our fall festival outreach ministry. The outreach is meeting here at the church at 6.30, and I'd like to see a hundred of our members come out for that, and so be a part of that, please, uh, at 6.30 on Friday. Uh, there are a few other things here we want to mention. Drama team practice Tuesday at 7 p.m. for... Uh, the Edge, uh, Secret Sisters, take your gifts from the table at the foyer. Uh, we don't want to leave them from tonight all the way to Wednesday, so please look and take your gift. There'll be a Secret Sisters banquet Monday. Uh, is that tomorrow? I'm assuming it's tomorrow at 7 p.m. Come to pray at 6.30. And then the banquet, the Secret Sisters banquet is at 7 uh, PM. The Georgetown Invasion Team is meeting by the drums uh, immediately after the service. You'll be leaving Friday, coming back on Sunday, and so we need to button down the details for that. Uh, and so please uh, be in that meeting over there by the drums right after church, the Georgetown Impact Team. Uh, there'll be no song service practice tomorrow. There will be a water baptism um, two weeks from today. If you need to be baptized, if you've recently given your life to Christ and you need to be baptized, please see Pastor Ernie uh, about that. And we go forward. Amen. Let's have the ushers come. We want to take time to give. I've talked about bottle caps and Jesus this morning. Uh, if you weren't here, you can get the tape. 
We're obsessed. We are believing that God is going to be able to use our lives to reach multitudes of people. This is the only thing really worth giving your whole life, your whole self to. We have other business. We have other matters. We have other things that we do in life that we draw a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment from. But Jesus has to be first, first in every area, first love, first financially, first in commitment, first in faithfulness. It's our commitment to Jesus Christ. And that is expressed by the fact that you're here tonight for the second service on a Sunday. We want more of Jesus. We'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, and so I want to really challenge you. Um, we need money. We need large, large money. We haven't been able to send money to Africa uh, for the building for the last few weeks uh, and we're still trying to get a little more money uh, channeled in that direction for the move of uh, Sunshine and Benolia into uh, Monrovia, Liberia to pioneer that church. Uh, uh, the total for all of that came to around $60,000. You've done well by giving and being liberal, but we need uh, we need more to finish off these projects. So please give. If you have an offering besides, now would be a good time to give it. If you have money that you could give, now would be a good time to give that. So we appreciate and love you for all of your liberality. Uh, we're going to continue to see God move. And I'm going to ask Danny to pray and ask the Lord to bless Gift and Giver tonight. Appreciate our musicians. We uh, are going to have our pastor come and minister in just a moment. I do want to uh, say, and I wanted to kind of have a formal uh, moment uh, during this transition between uh, Pastor Glenn uh, and uh, him moving into his evangelistic ministry and Pastor Richard Contreras coming uh, on staff. Of course, when Pastor Glenn came and talked to me about uh, God dealing with him about being an evangelist, you know, my mind is moving in a million different directions. And one of the million directions is I've got to think about a replacement uh, for Glenn, and that is not an easy task. Pastor Glenn came on staff here after our conference in 2009. Uh, it's very unusual in churches like ours, in our fellowship, leadership, conference churches, to have an assistant uh, for as long as Pastor Glenn has been here, uh, and I can't tell you how much I have appreciated uh, 
uh, he and Maribel, their ministry, uh, what they contribute here. I've been able to watch Pastor Glenn grow from when he came here, uh, his preaching ministry, his counseling skill and wisdom, uh, his advisory capacity for me uh, has been such a great help. Uh, and for the first few years that he was here, for the first maybe six years he was here, uh, I would get together with him and Maribel before conference to go through an annual ritual of making sure he's going to stay put. You know, I gave him an opportunity. The purpose of meeting him before our conference uh, was for him to tell me, you know, Pastor, I feel like I've been here long enough and I need to do something else. And so I was always relieved. And then so after six years, I just quit having the dinners and we just... I didn't give him that opportunity, uh, but it was actually during that time that God began to deal with him. But I just wanted to say, Pastor Glenn, how much I value, I appreciate you and Maribel, your ministry, how much this church has benefited, and we're glad you're not going anywhere. He's going to be hanging around here, bouncing in and out of town from time to time. He's got pretty much a full year book. Pastor Warner scheduled him, I think, for December. And so uh, God's going to do a good work through his ministry as an evangelist and all of our evangelists that are here. We appreciate all of them. Uh, and you have to pray for me that I adjust to this. We were in Pastor Glenn's, off Pastor Glenn's office. We were in Pastor Richard's office <laughs> yesterday, and I had a, a, a little thing that I needed done. And so uh, Pastor Richard is standing behind his desk, and Glenn... Uh, is standing next to me, so I just naturally defaulted and said, Glenn, you need to take care of this. This is what I need. And he said, uh -uh, Pastor, uh, that needs to be Richard that does that. So you're going to probably have to be telling me that from time to time. Uh, so, uh, But anyway, that brings us to having Pastor Richard and Luce here, which we are so glad for their uh, ability to come, their willingness to come. I view Pastor Richard uh, in uh, sports parlance as a uh, utility infielder, a utility infielder, most infielders, first, second, third, shortstop, uh, they're very specialized. They learn their position and they generally can't play another position because there's so many details and, and specifics that they have to focus on and, and hone and train themselves. A third baseman has a much longer throw to first base than the second baseman does. So there's different attributes. And then every team has to have or should have a, a utility infielder, someone who can play all the positions. And that's how I view Pastor Richard. Uh, and one of the things about him is that he has made himself available always. He's always been easily used. He ended up in Spain because he came to me and said, Pastor, if you need someone to Spain, Luce and I are willing to go. And so I said, sayonara, you're going. And then when he was in Spain, uh, I needed somebody for Juarez. I hadn't said anything uh, to anybody. And he came to me and said, Pastor, if you need someone for Juarez, my wife and I are willing. And he ended up going to Juarez. And then he came to me sometime later. Uh, we're thinking of transitioning him back into a further mission assignment. Uh, he had something in mind. I had something else in mind that I felt strongly about. And he said, Pastor, no problem. Uh, whatever it is that you have in mind, that's what we'll do. And that's how the church in Bogota uh, was planted. They've been uh, serving there, having good success there. We saw the, um, uh, the testimonies of some of the people in the church there. 
uh, and now Herman and Violetta are pastoring that church. And when I called him and told him uh, what I was thinking about having him come back here, uh, I think one of the first things he said was, Pastor, we'll do it, but it's going to be hard. And this may be the hardest transition he's ever done. He was locked into Bogota, Colombia. Uh, God was moving there. He could see promise. They loved the city. They uh, just have a great atmosphere there. They're right locked in the middle of the city with thousands and hundreds of thousands of people all around them. They have a building where they live on the top floor. The church is on the middle and bottom floor, and people are walking in and getting saved, and God's building a church. He had a music group, song service team, and things were happening. But uh, as a utility infielder, uh, you got to be willing to uh, fulfill and plug into whatever assignment uh, the manager decides uh, uh, needs to happen. And so I, I prayed for a very long time. As you know, we didn't make this decision lightly. Uh, I didn't finalize it until just uh, recently. So we're so glad to have him here with us full time. Uh, his mother and father are actually here. Mr. and Mrs. Contreras have joined us tonight. Amen. I asked uh, uh, Pastor Richard, how long have your mom and dad been married? Considering how old you look, they must have been married quite a while. And he said, I think it's 60 years or more. So thank you for your uh, testimony and the great son that you've raised. Amen. Uh, so anyway, this is uh, Pastor Richard's. I don't want to make it. I was supposed to be gone tonight, but weather prevented me from being able to fly out with George uh, today to Houston. Uh, so I told Richard, I'm taking notes and I'm watching every step. So, uh, but anyway, this is his kind of debut. I'm glad you're all here. Let's hear from God tonight. Let's welcome our brother. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, it's a blessing to be here. Uh, first thing I want to say is just uh, thank you for, for taking us in, for receiving us. Uh, me and my wife have been just blown away with uh, everyone's hospitality, warm words of, of, of uh, welcome, and, uh, and we're so grateful for that. Amen. And I know that I'm having to go into and, and grow into a very big position, and I, and I understand that. I'm not oblivious to that, and I, and I believe that God will help us with that. Amen. But uh, uh, we're still in the process of moving into our house. I don't think we'll be moving in for another week or a couple of weeks. And so that means that, you know, we, we would like to have a bunch of you people over for lunch, for dinner. Uh, we have to put a little weight on that. But uh, if you guys want to take us out to eat, we like uh, Cattlemen's, we like um, State Line, and we like Chico's Tacos. Amen. So whichever one you want to pick. Amen. <laughs> amen. So we, we're just very, very blessed to be here. I really appreciate uh, Pastor Stevens, amen, for, for uh, trusting in us again, amen, to, to be in this position and uh, we're here to serve. Uh, we're here to do our very, very best to assist Pastor Stevens and to assist uh, this church in going on for God. Amen. And uh, as I said, I know I'm, I have my work cut out for me in, in, in filling this position. Uh, but I believe that God will help us. How many can say amen? Hallelujah. And I believe God will not only help us with that, but take us even further. Amen. And, and uh, help us to even this church to go on uh, into revival, into everything that God has for us. Amen. So. Uh, I'm glad to be a part of that here in this church. Amen. So praise God. Amen. Genesis chapter 4 uh, is going to be our text. Genesis chapter 4. As you're looking that up, uh, there's a story of a man by the name of Fred that inherited $10 million. So he goes to the office where he supposedly was going to receive his $10 million, but only to hear that uh, that $10 million wasn't actually 
10 million dollars in in cash uh but actually he had to make a choice and and decide where he wanted to receive those 10 million dollars it was either uh, the nation of chile or the nation of brazil so he's like well i, I, I don't know I, I, uh, I guess brazil you know brazil sounds a little bit more you know like a better option so he decides brazil so he takes uh, uh, an airplane ride to brazil gets there meets the contact people and so walks into the office and they say well we actually don't have the money in 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 money form uh we actually have the 10 million dollars but you either have to choose the 10 million dollars in in uh coffee or in nuts so he's uh, i don't know anything about the market for coffee or nuts so he's just he's having to decide so finally he's okay i'll, I'll choose I'll choose nuts. I'll receive my $10 million in nuts. So, so he chooses, they write out a piece of paper and give him the, ten, you know, storehouses of $10 million worth of nuts. So as soon as he, as soon as he does that, uh, the, the, the nut market goes down the tubes. And so in a moment, he's left with warehouses full of nuts that are worth nothing. And so he has to somehow scramble and, and try to get the, the little money that he had. And, and he, he, he's able to gather enough money to buy a plane ticket to go back to the States. And so, you know, he goes to the airport and uh, he's sitting at the, he's, he's at the counter and he's asking, okay, I need the next flight out. And so they, they tell him, well, there's only two flights out, one to Boston and one to New York. And so you have to choose which one you want to get on. And so he's this man, Boston, New York. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll get on the Boston flight. So he gets on the Boston flight. And so the airplane takes off. He's in the middle of the air. And as he's in the middle of the air, the plane begins to have problems. And so, you know, the, the people, the, the pilots start saying, hey, we need to jump off the plane because, uh, hey amen, this plane's going to go down. And so he sees that there's two parachutes. So now he has to decide between uh, two parachutes. So, so should I take the right one or the left one? And so finally he picks the right one, puts it on, straps it on, jumps off the plane. And as he's falling down off the plane, he starts pulling the cord and it doesn't open. So he starts crying out, St. Francis, St. Francis, please help me. Please save me, St. Francis. And so all of a sudden this, this, there's a hand just appears out of the air, grabs him by the leg, and says, Are you asking for St. Francis of Assisi or St. Francis Savior? And so that's the end of the story. More than likely, he asked the wrong St. Francis. Amen. Okay, I want to talk about decisions tonight. Because how many know your decisions are going to take you somewhere? And as Pastor Stevens kind of mentioned in the morning, we are all making decisions and you may think, well, it doesn't really matter what I'm deciding. But I, can I tell you, your decisions are going to take you somewhere. And I want to look at a story in the Bible about a man that uh, made one of the first bad decisions in the Bible. This is after Adam and Eve. We know that that was the very first bad decision that was ever made. But after Adam and Eve, we know the story of Cain and Abel. And we see Cain make one of the worst decisions in the Bible. And I want to look at his life and I want to look at what took him to that place where he made that decision. And I believe that many people make wrong decisions in life based on the same things that made Cain make a wrong decision.
So let's take a look at this and let's read uh, Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 through 15. Let's open our hearts. The Bible says these words, Then Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again this, uh, uh, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but came, Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, came, uh, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and, uh, and, of, the, uh, uh, and, and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, uh, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up again, uh, against Abel, his brother, and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, Where's, uh, where is your uh, brother Abel, uh, Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. I, am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you, have cursed, uh, you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Uh, when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength uh, to you. And fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall, I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, uh, vengeance shall uh, be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Amen. So I want to talk firstly about the tendency that we have towards bad decisions. So one of the uh, things that I've realized in life is making right decisions, uh, making good decisions in life uh, does not come natural to us. This is not something that we do easily. Usually a right decision and a good decision is usually uh, uh, the harder path. It's usually the harder thing to do. And so what comes naturally to us is usually bad decisions, amen, because this is, this usually is easier, amen. It's a lot easier to make a bad decision, an incorrect decision, than it is to make a right, uh, a good decision. And there's a truth, and that is that every single one of us have a pull in our hearts towards bad decisions. And I believe this started from the time that Adam and Eve uh, fell and, and committed sin, and I believe part of that curse of sin in our hearts uh, is that there is this natural pull and there's this natural bent towards making bad decisions amen and so making right decisions in life is not easy it's not natural to us it's not something that comes it's not the first option that comes to our minds uh, when we're faced with problems when we're faced with decisions in life what comes natural is bad decisions how many can say amen what comes natural is doing what is wrong doing what is easy doing what our carnal nature wants to do. 
And that normally is what, what we'll be inclined to as uh, humans in our fallen nature. Amen. This is, uh, and many times what we have to struggle with. This is uh, what uh, is at play when we're making decisions in life is that we have to deal with this part of ourselves, this carnal part of ourselves that wants to do its own thing, that wants to act in pride, that wants to act uh, in its own uh, uh, interest. Uh, amen. And so that's, that's always pulling on us. That's always, it's like a, uh, a car that's out of alignment amen how many know when you have a car that's out of alignment if you let go of the of the wheel it's going to go in a direction and so that's that's our hearts how many can say amen amen uh many times our hearts uh, amen are pulling us in wrong dis uh, direction and when it comes to making decisions in life uh, we are all going to struggle with that we are all going to feel those pulls we are all going to feel those inclinations in life, amen, to, to act on our own instincts or act on things uh, that are not right, uh, amen. And, and uh, if we allow ourselves, we can fall into this circle of bad decisions. Whether it's in our finances, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our spiritual life. Whether, you know, it's in, in resolving conflicts in life, uh, amen, if we will allow ourselves and just give ourselves to those inclinations, you're going to be making one bad decision after another, after another, after another, until you get a grasp of this. How many can say amen? So uh, our decisions are taking us somewhere, as Pastor uh, Stevens kind of put my whole sermon in a nutshell, amen, I was like, thank you very much, <laughs> amen, but... Uh, you know, our, our decisions really are taking us somewhere. Amen. You're deciding things today. And whether those de decisions are reactionary, maybe it's things that have happened to you. And you may think, well, there's some things that, I'm, that are out of my control. And, and, and I didn't decide this. But how many know even then you can decide how to react and how to respond to things? Amen. And so whether you're responding to things or whether you're just simply making decisions in life of what to do with your life, what direction you want to go in life. Amen. Your decisions, whether, as Pastor said this morning, whether you see lightning bolts, whether you see, uh, you know, some kind kind of signs in the heaven or whether you see nothing amen your decisions are literally taking you somewhere if we could fast forward the tape of our lives and we could just take a picture right now and see where every single one of us would be in 10 years 15 years i'm sure that if we were to look at that picture we would notice some faces. We would say, oh yeah, this, this guy, look, he started making choices. He started making decisions. And so now he's fulfilling the will of God. He's pastoring. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's a pillar in the church. God is helping him. God is blessing him. But also I'm sure we would see amongst uh, the, the, the faces, we would see faces and we'd see pictures and we'd see people that, uh, that as Time has gone by, amen, choices have been made, amen, decisions have been made, and, and we would see a totally different story. So that brings me to my second point, and that is an anatomy of a bad decision. So here in our text, um, we, we have this story of Cain and Abel, and so here we see Cain, as I said, uh, makes a, a horrible decision in his life. But what is interesting to me is, is that the, the Word of God kind of shows us the black box of what was happening in Cain's heart as he made this decision. And by what I mean by the black 
black box, many of you know when an airplane goes down and crashes, one of the first things that they look for is that black box, right? And so that black box, uh, it, basically what it has it is, is that it has the, the, the recording of the last conversation that the pilots had. And that recording many times will tell, uh, uh, you know, tell the, 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 uh, the searchers, you know, this is what happened. This is what they were talking about. Uh, you know, maybe they hit a flock of birds uh, or, or maybe there was a mechanical failure or something happened. And so that last conversation that's on, in that black box many times will, will tell you exactly what happened. What happened to that plane? Why did it go down? And so, you know, they'll, they'll find that black box and, and they'll, they'll listen. And, and so according to the conversation, they'll be able to know exactly what was the cause of that plane crash. So the Bible shows us the black box of Cain's heart. In, these in this text that I read, it's as if the Holy Ghost pulls out the black box and says, look, this is what took Cain to make this decision. And if we would read and we as we read this this the story and as we pay a little attention we'll begin to see there there were some factors there there were some factors that caused Cain to to get to that point where he was willing to kill his brother and sometimes you see people make decisions you see people do things that you know why would you do that but if, if you will go into the heart and if you find the black box and if, if you begin to see these, you, many times you will see the same factors that were at, at work in Cain's life, in Cain's heart. Those are the same factors that you will see in many people's wrong decisions. So let's open the box and let's see what we find. First of all, the first factor that we see in this bad decision was simply that Cain allowed himself to become governed by his emotion. See what the Bible says in verse 5 and 6. The Bible says, but he, uh, he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? So the, the first issue that we see in Cain's life, uh, and the first factor that caused him or put him on that road to begin to make this wrong choice uh, is that he allowed his emotions to begin to take control of his decisions. How many know what you feel you, you, you want to do and what you should do many times are two very different things? And here Cain, amen, he gets angry, amen, he's upset at the fact that God is not respecting his offering the same way he respected Cain's. And so he, he's angry, he's upset, and the problem is that he begins to let or allow his emotions to govern his decisions. Amen. So, uh, you know, um, how many know that, that every single one of us are going to be angry at, at, at times in life? Amen. Every single one of us will get mad. You're going down the street. Someone cuts you off. You're going to be angry. Amen. And, and you know, someone doesn't pay you your money. You know, you're going to get angry. You know, every single one of us will go through anger uh, or feel anger in some way. But how many know that anger can begin to, you can begin to allow your anger to make decisions for you? And that not only anger, but it can be many different types of emotions. Amen. Many times behind a bad decision is some kind of bad or inordinate emotion. 
whether it's like our text, whether it's anger. Many times anger will cause a person to make decisions at the moment, not measure the consequences. And so you're angry. And so you'll make it this, you'll say something you shouldn't say. You'll do something you shouldn't do. Amen. So many times a bad decision behind that bad decision, many times is some kind of inordinate emotion, whether it's discouragement. How many have ever been discouraged? And how many know when you're discouraged, you can, you can see things in a wrong perspective. Amen. There's things uh, that should have incredible value that when you're discouraged, uh, amen, they don't have any value for you. And you can make a wrong choice of just chucking something or, 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 or get, getting rid of something that's of value. But because you're discouraged, uh, you don't see the value of that. You don't see the value of that. Maybe it's a ministry or you don't see the value of a friendship. You don't see the value of your testimony. You don't, things that, that are incredible value because you're discouraged. Uh, you're willing to just make a choice and just chuck it to the side. Whether it's self-pity, whether it's fear. These are all emotions that if you do not put them in check, if you do not grab the reins of these emotions uh, amen they will begin to like that car that's out of alignment they'll begin to take your decision in a direction and that's what that's what was happening with Cain in his case it was anger and so he allowed uh, you know he's feeling angry he's feeling upset uh, uh, and so th that emotion took the the the, the the steering wheel of his life and begin to direct his life uh, and begin to take him down a road so the first issue that we see in this black box was his emotion. Second thing that we see in this, in this black box was mediocrity. And I know this may not seem like if, uh, this, this makes sense to me, but look at what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 says. It says, by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. How many saw that? Amen. By, uh, by faith, uh, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And so the word that stands out to me there is the word excellent. And so this is, you know, in the New Testament, and this is Apostle Paul, he's saying, you know, there was a difference here. The, the difference between Cain's sacrifice and Abel's sacrifice is that uh, Abel's sacrifice was excellent. There was an excellence to his sacrifice. There was thought to his sacrifice. Amen. And basically what he's saying is Abel's sacrifice uh, was a sacrifice that, that uh, inferred uh, sacrifice, inferred revelation, and inferred obedience. In other words, amen, when Abel brought his sacrifice, he really thought about what was the very best for God. In, in Abel's mind, he was thinking... This is not, we, I'm, I'm not just going to give anything. This is for God. So I'm going to do the very best that I can for God. I'm going to make sure that this sacrifice pleases God. I'm going to make sure that this sacrifice is something that God accepts. Uh, and this is, goes in line with what God is looking for. And so he makes this, uh, this, this sacrifice. And the Bible says the difference between Abel's sacrifice and Cain's sacrifice simply was that Abel's was excellent. So what does that insinuate about Cain's sacrifice? Basically, Cain's sacrifice, uh, what that insinuates is that his sacrifice was simply a mediocre sacrifice. It's for God. 
whatever's good. You know, it, it, I, I'm sure God will take this. I'm sure this will be good enough for God. And so his sacrifice, even though it may have been a, a good sacrifice, even though there may have been some sac, some a, a sacrificial element to it, uh, amen, but there was something about his sacrifice that uh, it wasn't excellent, amen. And so the reason this affects our decisions uh, is how many know, amen, your, your pursuit of excellence will help you determine right choices in your life as you have an attitude of excellence in your life that will help you to determine what is the best for your life when you when you have an attitude and a mentality i want the very best that helps you to discern when you're faced with situations in life when you're faced with problems in life if you're if your mentality is i want to do the very best then when, when situations come in life, uh, amen, that, that'll help you to discern, okay, I would like to do this, but that's not the very best, so I better do this. And a mentality of excellence will help you to discern what is right. It'll help you to discern what you should do, uh, not what you want to do, but what you should do. Look at what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 10. I'll read the New, uh, New King James Version first, and then I'll re read the Amplified Version uh, New King James Version says it this way, and this I pray that you uh, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent. That's the word excellent there. That you may uh, be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by uh, by Christ uh, Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I'm going to read this same verse in the Amplified uh, Version. Many of you know the Amplified Version is, is basically, it, it, it kind of adds so you can give, have a better understanding of what the Bible is saying. And so this is the Amplified Version. So that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve the prize, what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best and distinguishing the moral differences. So the Apostle Paul is saying something very powerful here. He's saying, when you have a mindset of excellence, I want to do the very best. What this does is it helps you, helps you to recognize the highest and the best and distinguishes the moral differences. So when you have a mindset of, I want to be excellent in what I do. I want to be excellent for God. I want to do the best for God. That helps you to discern what is morally right and morally wrong. That helps you to, to, to see when you're faced with situations and decisions in life. Uh, amen. Because you want the very best for God. That helps you to, to discern. You know what? I, I know this opportunity is coming. I know this. But that is not the best for God. So that helps you to, to lean towards what is right. When your mentality is Cain's mentality. Ah, whatever. Ah, everything's fine. Then when situations come in life, uh, amen, and you don't have that compass, amen, to help you to, to lean towards what's right or what's excellent. Uh, and uh, when those situations come in life, uh, you'll, you'll veer to, towards the bad decisions. You'll veer towards what is easy. You'll veer towards uh, what is carnal. You'll veer towards, uh, amen, the easy path. So in Cain's case... One of the other factors that was his work in his life is that 
He did not have that sense of excellence. He had a sense of mediocrity of ah, whatever's good. Uh, it doesn't matter. And that caused him when it came down to it to make the wrong choice. And there's a third little thing that we, I want to see here. And that is the disregard for others. Bad choices many times in its background will have a disregard for others. So here's Cain. He's upset. He's mad. And so because he's mad and, and you know, he, he should have been mad at himself. I mean, you can say amen. amen. But the Bible says that he's upset at, at Abel. He, he focuses his anger on Abel. And so he, you know, he's, all he's concerned with is, is his jealousy and his envy for God putting his, his, his favor on Abel. And that's all he's concerned. And, he, and it's also almost as he had tunnel vision. And all he could see was his you know, being upset at Abel. He could not see everything else that was connected to that. He couldn't see that, you know, how he was going to affect his mother. How he was going to affect his father. He could not see how, amen, he was going to uh, leave a grieving mother. If he killed his brother. How he was going to break his father's heart. He could not see, you know, uh, all the other things that were connected to this. Uh, amen. All he could see uh, was uh, what he wanted. All he could see was uh, his anger. All he could see was his. He was upset. Uh, and he could not see everything else that he was going to affect or all the other people that he would affect. So a bad decision usually will not take into account uh, the people that they affect. When you make a bad choice... How many know that bad choice will affect others? It'll, it'll have a consequence and that consequence will, will, will leave others in a disadvantage. That consequence will cause others to struggle. It will cause others, amen, to, to have to battle things, amen. A, a bad choice in life, uh, amen, will, will, will not take into account that. You won't take into account uh, how you affect, uh, I mean, those around you, whether it's your spouse, your husband, your wife, uh, whether it's your kids, uh, whether it's the people in church, whether it's people that are looking to you, uh, amen, for, you know, for a good example, amen, whether it's, you know, people at work uh, or people that are looking at you, amen, that you've witnessed to over the years uh, and, and, and they they may be at the point where they're, you know, one more witness, one more uh, time that you invite them to church, they come to come to church, amen. But, you know, when you're upset, uh, amen, you can disregard all that. You can disregard how people are viewing you or, or how you can affect people. So Cain makes a choice completely disconnected on, on how he was going to affect his mother, his father, how he was going to affect life, how he was going to affect his own self. He had no sense of how my decision will impact and will affect others. God asked him, where's Abel? And his response kind of shows that attitude. Am I my brother's keeper? I'm, I'm, you know, I don't care. You know, I don't care about him. And how many know that's the attitude many times behind a bad decision? What about this? How about how are you going to affect this? How are you going to affect these people? How are you going to affect your family? How are you going to, this decision, how is it going to affect it? So what? So many times bad decisions 
simply are, are, the mind that is thinking of a bad decision is not taking into account the people that they are affecting. How many can say amen? Hallelujah. That brings me to my last point, and that is breaking the curse of bad decisions. So I believe that some bad decisions can be corrected sometimes with simply correcting an attitude. Sometimes all it takes is, is for someone to correct their attitude. You know, you just have to kind of, uh, you know, just talk them into, you know, you know, correcting some things in their hearts. And, and so many times just correcting their attitude will, will help them. They make a right choice. And, I, and, and over the years, amen, I've, I've dealt with that. I've talked with people and I've, you know, I, I'm, you know, I have to kind of explain things. You know, if you do this, this is going to happen. So don't, you know, don't go down that road, you know, and I just kind of have to kind of help them see things and, and just kind of, you know, forgive or, or do something. And, and many times that'll be enough for them to kind of, you know, come off the ledge and, and start making right choices. Amen. And so many times that's all that needs to happen. Sometimes the right choice is just a matter of getting some right counsel. Amen. Just, you know, asking for some good counsel and someone can tell, you, you know what, this is what you should do. Uh, amen. And so many times right choices are, are just simply that. It's just correcting your heart, getting some counsel. But sometimes I've realized that there are people that are actually caught in a curse of bad decisions. And this is what I believe was the case with Cain. I believe that Cain ma makes a bad choice. And Cain, not only did he, did he make this bad choice, but he began to live a lifestyle of bad choices. The Bible says that after God has to deal with him, the Bible says that he has to, he, he goes and he lives a, in a, in a city, and the Bible says uh, the, the, the name of the city uh, is, is actually, it was called Nod, but the, the, in, the, in the original language, that word Nod means vagrant. And so how many know God, when, when, when God spoke to Cain, and he said, you, you're going to be a vagrant and a vagabond. And the Bible says from there he goes and he lives in Nod, which means vagrant. In other words, he lived, lived the rest of his life in vagrant, or in other words, making bad decisions that caused him to live in that circle making bad decisions after bad decisions and i've seen people live in this circle i've seen people amen just it, it seems like if they're stuck in these bad decisions amen uh, there's a motivational speaker that i was I, I was you know kind of researching this and i'm looking for examples uh for for this this uh, uh this the sermon and and I, I found this little quip about um, a motivational speaker that's talking about bad decisions. And, you know, I don't normally use a lot of examples of motivational speakers. Because, you know, they're just, you know, they, they, they don't have a lot of spiritual sight to them. But sometimes they'll say something good. Amen. So this, the, uh, he said these words. We all have a little part of us that tells us to go buy this thing or do this thing that you shouldn't do. And if you give it power over you. It will run your life. These impulses can destroy your future. They can rob you of the life that you really want to live. Many have replaced the life that they want to live with a life of quick fixes. And when I read that, I thought, you know, that really does describe some people. It's as if they're caught in this circle of bad decisions and and sometimes it's areas of their life. Sometimes it's in their finances. 
And sometimes it's, it's almost as if they're caught in this, this they, they keep making bad decisions. And so, you know, God will help them. They'll begin to prosper. And as they're prospering, bad decision, go, you know, lose it. And they have to start all over again. And it seems like if they're always in debt, amen, they're always uh, making decisions, whether it's at work or, or, or buying things. Or, and and it's, it's as if they're caught in this circle of bad decisions and they can never rise up in their fight. And in that area of finances, it, it seems like if they just continue to make bad decisions, some people, it's their relationships. It seems like if they're always caught in uh, relational conflicts and and it seems like if things are going okay okay uh, uh, you, you're you're gaining ground and then boom you'll make some kind of choice or say something that you shouldn't say and and, and begin to have relational conflicts all over again i've seen people and, and it seems like if they're caught in these circles amen of bad decisions uh, whether it's finances relational problems whether it's in their marriage uh, or other areas uh, amen they're caught in these Bad decisions, amen. And so, you know, I've always asked myself, how can someone break that? How can a person that is, you know, they just continue to make these bad decisions, how can they break that and begin to gain ground and begin to make choices and decisions that'll get them uh, to begin to, you know, you know, rise up uh, and and begin to follow their destiny, amen, begin to rise up in their finances, begin to, I mean, have, be blessed and have God help them. How can you begin to do that? And so, I mean, I want to talk about very quick about some things and then we'll finish. Number one is that you need to ask God for direction and wisdom, but you also need to wait until God responds. We heard last week, Pastor Stevens preached about the voice of God. How many know God has a voice and God speaks? Amen. And if you will ask God, amen, I believe God will answer you. and God, God will give you wisdom. God will give you direction. But the, the point that I've always uh, struggled with and I see people struggle with, it's not the fact that God does not answer. It's the fact that we don't wait long enough. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, The man's heart uh, plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, The ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. In other words, uh, amen, the Bible says that God has a voice and God can speak to you and God can help you make your choices. Uh, amen. He, God's voice can say, okay, you're, you're leaning toward the right. Hey, hey, hey no, no, no. Correct that. Amen. That's not a good direction for you. Or you're leaning to the left or you're doing something you should. And, and if you will wait on God, God will speak. Amen. God will speak to your life. God will help you. Amen. And I've learned that the main issue with hearing God's, God's voice is if you simply will wait for it. If you will ask God, amen, about your decisions, whether that's those are financial, whether that those are ministerial or whatever it may be. If you will wait on God, God will speak to your life. So the other thing that needs to help, that will help us to make right choices is you need to learn how to ask for counsel. Bible says Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And I found that there's, 
when it comes to counsel, I found that there's two different types of people. There's the, the people that ask for counsel that actually want to know what you have to say. Amen. And so these are the people you kind of have to, you, you got to be careful with because they, they will do exactly what you tell them to do because they want to know. They'll say, Pastor, uh, 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 this is my problem. This is my situation. What should I do? And they will go out and they will do exactly what you're saying. So you have to be careful. Uh, he was saying that, uh, that he, he tells one of the guys that, that's testing the sound. He said, okay, I want you to test the microphone. Well, in Spanish, test the microphone is prueba el micrófono. So, prueba. But how many know that there's some people that, that they'll, they'll, they'll ask for counsel and they will, they will do exactly what you tell them. And can I tell you, usually those are the people that will get their finances right. Those are the people that will get blessed. Those are the people that God will help them. Those are the people, not, not the ones that, that lick their mic, amen, but the, the people that will actually be open to counsel that will say, okay, I want to know what to do. I really do want to know what I should do. And if you will have that heart, if you will say, I want guidance, I want direction, I want, I really want to know. And I've noticed over the years, just the people that have that heart uh, and they keep that heart, they, they may have problems. How many know there's problems in life uh, that, that, that are out of your control? Things happen in life that you, you don't create those things. Some, sometimes just things that happen in life. But if you will keep a heart that says, I want to know, I want you to show me. And if you will have an obedient heart and you will allow yourself to be guided, you will, have, you will make some right decisions. And then there's a, there are those that ask for counsel, but in reality, they're not wanting to know what to do. <laughs> they're, they're basically, what they're doing is they're, they're saying, okay, I, I, I want to see if I like what you say. And so they, they ask, uh, Pastor, I, I, I'm going to this. I'm having this problem. What should I do? And they're listening, but they're really thinking in their minds, uh, uh, you know, I, if, if I like what you say, I may do it. If I don't like what, what you say, then I'm going to go get a second opinion. And those are usually the ones that you tell them, if you do this, this will happen. And they go from the office or they go from the council and they go on and then they come back and said, Pastor, guess what? This happened. <laughs> and I, I told you, don't, but they weren't interested in that. They were interested in, in their own. They just wanted a confirmation to what, what they wanted to do. If you will learn how to ask God and be sensitive to his voice and say, okay, God, I really want to know, speak to my life. God will speak to you, whether it's through a sermon, whether it's through someone's counsel, someone's help, uh, whether it's through whatever other way, God will speak. God will make sure that he will speak to your heart. And I've, I've experienced this over the years. Amen. When I've, as I've asked God, and I said, God, God I, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. God will always speak to my heart, whether it's a conference, a sermon, a, a regular service, whether, whatever it may be, God will speak to my heart, a clear word, and I will, I will understand exactly what I need to do. Or whether it's counsel, whether it's me asking, whether it's my pastor or one of my, my, my peers, uh, friends that I have in the ministry that so many times I'll just bounce things off of them and they'll, they'll say some things and I'll say, yes, that's, that's exactly what I need to do. Amen. If you will allow yourself to be 
guided, amen, whether it's by God or by godly counsel, you will begin a string of right choices and right decisions. And as I said, if we could fast forward the tape 10 years from now, I believe there will be some stories of people that have gone on. They're blessed. God is helping them. Amen. They may be pastoring in Cucaramanga, Africa. I don't know. Amen. They may be somewhere in the world. Amen. They may be doing something powerful for God. But it comes down to your choices. It comes down to the decisions that you make. And I believe this evening, if you will make simply a, 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 a determination before God, God, I want to begin to make right choices. I want, I want to make, be able to make some decisions that are going to take me into your purposes, into your will. I believe God will, uh, tonight, maybe there might not be, you know, uh, thunder and lightning, amen, but I believe you will you put yourself on that path, amen, God will help you. And maybe five, ten years down the line, amen, you're going to be able to see God's hand moving and working in your life. You may be, your finances may be horrible right now, five, ten years from now. You will be blessed if you if you allow yourself to make right decisions. Your marriage may be going, maybe on the rocks. Make some right choices, and and ways down the line, Amen. You'll be blessed. You'll be happy. You'll be you'll you'll, you'll have a great time in your marriage. Start making right decisions. How many can say Amen? Hallelujah! Like every head bowed, every eye closed. Presence of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Amen. Before we do anything else, one of the things that we do in every service is we always uh, take this first part of the altar call, amen, to make an appeal to people that do not know Jesus. Maybe you're here, you're a visitor. Someone brought you out, amen. You may have gotten a flyer or maybe a friend, a family member may have brought you to church and you're here tonight and you and you're hearing this and you've you've heard the worship you've heard the sermon and you and you think to yourself you know what this is exactly what i need i need i need god i need god to help me i need god to begin to help me to to order my life and begin to take my life in a different direction maybe you're you're here and 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 you look at your life and you see a long string of bad choices and you're here as a consequence of those bad choices. Maybe you, you, you're, you're at the end of your rope and you, you don't know what to do. Can I tell you you're at the right place? God is in this place and God wants to help you. 34 years ago, I made a choice. I was just a young kid. I was confused. I felt depressed. I remember having thoughts of suicide. I remember thinking to myself, man, I, my life is a mistake. I, I, I don't belong in this life. I, I shouldn't have been born. I remember thinking those thoughts. I remember thinking that, that, you know, just life was just about living, growing up, maybe someday getting married, growing old, dying. And I remember thinking to myself, what a waste of, of time. To, to live this life and it's just this long circle with no purpose no direction and no reason for this circle no reason for this life can I tell you 34 years ago I was just a young man someone told me about Jesus 
someone invited me to this church and someone told me you know what God has a plan and a purpose for your life uh, God wants to help you God wants to change you and I, I, I simply came to the church I, I, I accepted that invitation I came to church and I heard an altar call just like you're hearing tonight someone just simply said you know what if you need Jesus in your heart, uh, amen, God wants to save you. And I don't remember all the words. I just knew in my heart that's what I needed. I needed God. I needed a change in my life. And I remember specifically thinking in my heart, this is exactly what I need. So I responded to that altar call 34 years ago. I said, God, if you're real, if you're there, please change my life. And I remember getting up from that altar feeling free, feeling different, feeling as if something had lifted off my shoulders. I remember the very next day, I remember waking up and I remember looking out the window and I remember even thinking that the, the, the leaves on the trees seemed greener. I remember thinking, man, everything seems different. It's what the Bible describes being born again. It's what the Bible describes when someone is dead in their sins and Jesus comes in their heart and, and they, they, they revive. They begin to experience life for the first time. That is exactly what happened to my life 34 years ago. And if you want that tonight, maybe you're here and someone brought you, someone told you about the church, someone told you about God. And you've been thinking just like I was thinking 34 years ago. That's what I need. And you want to make a decision tonight. I talked about decisions in this sermon. This may very well be the most important decision you will ever make in your life. And that is accepting Jesus in your heart. Making a choice right now to let Jesus come inside your life. And change you and help you and forgive you of your sins. And if you want that, would you raise your hand? Would you say, Pastor Contreras, I need that. That's, that is exactly what I need. I need God to forgive me. And I want to make a decision tonight. I want God to touch me. I want God to help me. Would you raise your hand? Would you say, that is me. Amen. I need God in my life. Very quickly. Throughout all this place. Amen. You need Jesus. Amen. You want to make that choice. Would you raise your hand? Very quickly. God is here. God wants to help you. God wants to touch you. God wants to help you. Amen. Hallelujah. Or maybe you're here and you're backslidden. There was a time in your life where you served God. There was a time in your life that you were, you were going for God. Amen. But maybe as, as I preached tonight, maybe it was bad choices. Maybe you started down a path of wrong choices in your life. Maybe your emotions begin to veer your, your, your choices in the wrong direction. Maybe uh, it was just the, the, the fact that you stopped caring. Stop caring about what is right, what is excellent, what is the very best. And so that kind of jaded your perspective and, and that begins to take you down a road of wrong choices or whether it, it be, you know, whatever one of these issues, amen, you, you begin to veer off course and you found yourself completely away from God. And tonight you would say, you know what, I, I, I need to make a choice. I need to come back to God. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you say, Pastor Contreras, would you pray for me? I need to come back. I need to get it right. Very quickly, would you raise your hand? Hallelujah. 
Okay, praise God. I want to talk to you, brothers and sisters in the church, Christians. You're serving God. Maybe God is speaking to you to your life about decisions. About making the right choices. Maybe if we were to go into the black box of your heart, maybe you would see one of these factors as well. Maybe you would see, you know, you're, you're allowing your emotions to take a little bit too much control of your decisions. Maybe it's your discouragement. You're discouraged and so you're, you're, you're at the point of throwing things and chucking things into, into the trash. Things that should be of value. Your testimony, your ministry, things, things that should be something that you should, you should treasure. They should be something that are incredible value to you. But because you're discouraged, uh, amen, and, and you feel sad for whatever reason, you're, 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 you're not seeing the value of that. It's you're, you're at the point of making a wrong decision. Maybe it's your mediocrity. Maybe you're, you're not, you know, you're not striving for the very best. You're not striving for excellence. And so, uh, that is causing you to, to kind of see things that, that are not right and you're you're seeing them as okay you're seeing them as, ah, that's just that's 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 good enough but it's not maybe it's a disregard for others you're not valuing the people that are around you the choices that you make will affect those around you whether it's your family whether it's your husband or your wife whether it's your kids whether it's the brothers in the church amen whether it's you know people that are looking at you you will affect others and maybe you've kind of forgotten that maybe you said you know what I, I I I'm not really valuing that I'm not valuing how how my decisions are affecting other people and tonight you would say you know what I need to start making some right choices I need to start making some right decisions in my life and it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. It doesn't matter what situation you are going through right now. You may be spiritually at the bottom of the barrel. Whether it's spiritual, whether that's financially. But if you will begin to make right choices. Amen. Maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe five years down the line. You can be at a very blessed place in your life. I believe God is speaking to hearts. Let's all stand in this place. And if God has spoken to your life, I mean, this altar is open. And at this altar, basically come before God and say, God, I'm going to make some right choices. I'm going to allow myself, amen, to begin to, to be guided. Amen. I'm going to take this seriously. I will, you know, when I talk to my pastor, when I ask for counsel, I'm going to take it seriously. Or when you ask God and you pray to God, pray to God with this in mind, God, I really do want to know. God, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your voice. God, I really do want to hear what you have to say, God. And if you will have that heart, amen, I believe God will speak. God will speak to your life, amen, whether it's through sermons, whether it's through the, reading the word, whatever it may be, God will speak to your life, amen. So let's sing this song. Let's worship God as you get a hold of God, amen. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart. 
Worship God in this place. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. One of the things that I've, I've uh, uh, really, really strived to, uh, you know, just keep in my life and, and, and just try to do in my life is, is you know, I'm, I'm not the most talented guy. I'm not the most uh, the guy with the most abilities, but I've always made that choice. I, I want to make right choices. I want to do what's right. Amen. I, I want to do what is best. And that's always been one of the things that have just I've always tried to keep in my mind. I want to always do, try to do what is best. Amen. And and uh, can I tell you? I mean, I, I'm not. You don't. You don't have to be this incredibly intelligent, talented person. How many can say amen? But if you will make right choices, amen. God will help you, man. God will. And and one of the things that encourages me, amen, is I'm not. You know, some people have a processor that's. It's an it's an i7. You know, it's incredible brains, amen. Some people have a Pentium one, which is me. <laughs> you know, and, and you're you're not you, know, you don't have to be this incredibly smart person, but if you will make right choices, Amen. It doesn't matter if you're intelligent, smart, incredibly gifted in your mind, or you could just be a regular person. But you make right choices, man, and you will be blessed. You will have a blessed family, blessed kids. You will have blessed finances. You will have a blessed life make right choices amen how many can say amen hallelujah amen 
Let's uh, close. Let's go before God. Amen. And uh, so I hope that through this sermon, at the very least, I hope that there, that has stirred something in within you to say, okay, I want to do what is the very, very best in my life. Brother Kevin Alexander, if you can just close us in prayer. Amen.